Listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Felice Clark, the Deviling Speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Hey there, Rockstar SLPs. This is Felice Clark, the Deviling Speechy. You're listening to the Real Talk SLP podcast. And today we're going to be talking about three things that you can do before you start implementing a co-teaching model. If you are new to co-teaching, it basically is a collaborative service model where you and the classroom teacher are both teaching a lesson simultaneously together and you have defined, you know, roles and expectations for how you both are going to be teaching during the lesson. So for example, you may be coming in and teaching all the vocabulary before they get into the language arts lesson. And then the teacher is teaching the language arts lesson and you may be floating around the classroom while the teacher is teaching that part. So that's an example of a co-teach setup. And over the years, I have done co-teaching mostly in self-contained classrooms, but you definitely can do them in general education classrooms. Co-teaching can be really powerful if you do these three things that I'm going to talk about today. And, you know, when I first started co-teaching, I used to just kind of either find a teacher that I really enjoyed talking with and we had a good relationship from the get-go and I saw a need for some things that we could be co-teaching together, like a social pragmatics in the classroom was one of my first co-teaching experiences. I would just find a teacher that I was getting along with. We had a good relationship. There was a need for some of their students and we would collaborate a little bit and then we would just jump in, Right. And then there was other teachers that I worked with and their skill set (laughs) wasn't at the level where co-teaching was working really well, or I was having, you know, conflicts with getting buy-in. And so what I have learned over the years are a few steps that I try to implement before I go and co-teach with a new set of teachers and staff if that makes sense. So I know you might be going, oh my gosh, I have to plan more and take more time for this. But with the song, The Temptations, get ready. Like we got to get ready. There is a little bit of work that we should do in order to make that long-term success, right? So if you have long-term goals that you would like to be in the classroom more, doing some more co-teaching and coaching, You have to put in a little bit of work up front to get those long-term gains, right? And so if you're new to collaborative service models, listening to episode 41 on the Real Talk SLP podcast about collaborative service models can give you an idea if co-teaching is even a model that you would consider for your students or caseload. And then you can go from there. But today, if you are ready and you've been really interested in co-teaching, but you haven't really figured out 
okay, where do I start? What do I need to do? These are three things that I would recommend doing before you start co-teaching with a, with a teacher. And so tip number one is to really take the time to define your roles with the teacher. And this may be even the step where you are kind of getting buy-in from the teacher. You're trying to find out, okay, are you interested in co-teaching with me? What would make your day better if we were to co-teach together? Or how do you envision that happening? So you want to find out from the teacher if they are interested in co-teaching. And if they say, yeah, I am interested in co-teaching, you know, setting up some time with them during maybe a PLC or if they have time at their lunch break or after school, sitting down with them and knowing the roles of how you and the teacher will work together. Who's going to teach what? So if you're going to be using a curriculum like the unique curriculum, that might be something that you're going to go, okay, who's going to be responsible for teaching what parts of the unit or how are we going to set this up? Are you going to be more of a floater while I'm teaching the whole time? So really knowing your roles and what you're hoping to bring during that teaching instruction time. Because if you don't do this step, what is going to happen is your teacher may say, sure, yeah, totally come in at math time, or oh yeah, why don't you come in at language arts? But you haven't defined who's going to do what or what roles you're going to play in the classroom. And next thing you know, you're going to feel like a teacher's assistant. And this happens probably more at the middle school and high school level, especially if you're trying to co-teach in a general education classroom. So if you have not defined like what you would like to do and why you want to do this, you're going to run into miscommunication and possibly frustration with the person that you're collaborating with. And so this is the time to hash it out. And the other things that you would want to establish with the teacher for roles is how are you guys going to communicate about lessons? Is it going to be with the Google Doc, text message, you know, email? Are you guys going to sit once a month and plan out, you know, a rough outline of your lessons for three months? You know, what are the BIPs in the classroom, the behavior intervention plans, and how do you approach transitions? So this is the time to really spend some time with your teacher and figure out the roles and expectations of everybody involved so that you have a clear path for checking in, finding out what was went well, what didn't go well, you know, asking each other for feedback. So that is tip number one. Define your roles with the teacher beforehand. All right, tip number two, create the setup for the lessons that you're going to implement each week. Now, you may be tweaking this tip um, as you go because every classroom has their own style and uniqueness. But what you want to do is you want to think ahead and create the setup for the lesson and kind of like a, a time frame for each of the activities. And so for example, when I started looking at my co-teaching and seeing the amount of kids that were in the classroom and wanting to make sure I really maximized that time that I was in there, I started restructuring a lot of my push-in 
lesson plan set up with the teacher. And again, as much as I made this set up, I brought it to the teacher and said, how do you feel about this? Are you on board with this? And so what I started doing with one particular teacher, and we got really good at it, was I made a setup that I, and I told her this, I said, Hey, I'm going to do a little book reading at the carpet. And then we will do a little, you know, song. And then we're going to do a little activity at the carpet for about 10 minutes. And then after that, we'll have three stations and the students can rotate to each of the stations We'll spend about five to eight minutes at every station and allow for two minutes of transition time. And the stations would relate to the book or the theme that we were planning. And, and we, and that's what we did. But I made that setup because I wanted to think through, okay, what skills am I going to be targeting when we're at the carpet? How long is that going to take so that I can stay on time for my lesson, engage it? And then my stations, I really wanted to make sure we're addressing a lot of my students' goals or, or, know, or know that the station that I was running was going to be able to target my students' goals. And so just by having that setup, it allowed me to create a framework for what I was going to do each week. I knew every week I was going to have a book and I needed to have a, a song or a YouTube video. And, and sometimes if I didn't have something for the theme or I'd, I'd even consult the teacher, like, what are you guys learning in class right now? What is your curriculum doing right now? And then we would sometimes use activities from her stuff. And then we also were able to go, I go, okay, so we're going to have three stations. Who do you want to be running some of those stations? I'll run a station. And we had enough staff that the teacher could float during the station time. And floating just means that they're walking around, making sure all the kids are engaged. And sometimes I would float too, so that I could go to all the stations and model for the staff. So like I said, you want to know your setup so that you know what you were targeting, you know, what skills you're targeting. So let's say you want to do some coaching, you know, that's when maybe you're the floater that week. Cause you're going to coach the teachers and the kids at different stations. And then we had the aides running different stations. So if I knew an aide was running a station, I knew I was going to plan something that was easy to implement, like making a craft or playing a game or doing a sensory bin. And so that is what I would recommend doing is figuring out a setup. You know, you want to assess, okay, what are my kids' attention spans? Sometimes I've even set up things where literally we sit at the carpet for like, five minutes, <laughs> you know, sometimes if we could get to 10 minutes, that'd be great. But I would quickly read a short, short book. We would do a brain break and then we would break up into stations and we would only do one station and every kid did the same station activity. And so it was, everyone did a craft or everyone. So sometimes I'd have to prep more than one, um, active, the same activity for more than one group. Like, for example, I made this transportation activity station. So I just had to make sure that all the groups had enough cars and they could go under through the tunnel. So I just had to make sure they had all the elements to do that station. And so knowing what you're going to do helps you to assess after the lesson. Did that go well? Did the kids struggle with transitioning? 
Was it, were they there too long? Did they not like the book? It helps break up what you did so that you can look to see what went well. What can I do again next week that was similar to that? And what could I adjust? So that has helped me having a setup. It helped me to have confidence as well to step into the classroom in a feeling like I'm in this un, you know, charted territory. And then it helped me to adjust so I could change things when I needed to or consult the teacher like, what did you think of that? Do you think that was too much time there? Those types of things. So that's tip number two, create the setup for the lessons each week. And if you are liking the idea of creating a setup, but you're still kind of like, I don't know what to do (laughs) for lessons, I have some blog posts on my website, thedabblingspeechy.com. I'll put these in the show notes, but if you search Apple theme preschool co-teaching lesson plan, I have another lesson plan for Thanksgiving push-in lesson plan ideas. And I have a free lesson plan resource for a chicken themed unit that you could download if you go to my website, chicken and type in chicken push-in lesson, and you can download it there. And I will put a link to that in the show notes. All right, let's talk about our last tip for what you need to do before you start co-teaching. So number three, you need to be prepared for implementing the lessons. Now, you're not going to always be fully prepared, right? And sometimes that first time or that second time going into the classroom, it's going to feel like a hot, hot mess, okay? Just especially classrooms where there's just a lot going on. But you want to use that time to go, okay, what was missing from the environment Or what could I change that could help increase engagement, right? So you want to consult your teacher too and say, okay, you know, what do you guys use for transitions? What visuals do you already use with the students? Or maybe they have core boards. Because I remember I had a teacher who was totally open to targeting, you know, using AAC and core boards. She already had core boards, so I didn't need to go make those. I was just going to use the ones that she already had in her classroom because after my maternity leave one year, I came back and was like, okay, let's let's start (laughs) co-teaching. And I was asking her about what visuals she already has and used. So she gave me one of her core boards. So like that's an example of being prepared for implementing the lessons. I wanted to make sure that I had core boards for my students so that I could have on hand wherever I was. So I always brought in a core board. And then in one classroom in particular, I remember doing my lesson for the first time and going, oh my gosh, I need visuals for just teaching the kids when to sit, when to stand, when to have a quiet mouth or to talk, especially when we were working on being a group at the carpet, because a lot of kids were struggling with navigating that. So I had four visuals that I brought in and, you know, it was like, okay, it's time to sit in our chair. And I would just touch the sit button. And so just having those visuals every single time I go in and I would even review that kind of stuff with them every time, like, hi, welcome. And I'd have 
how are you? And I'd have visuals for saying, how are you? Or how's it going? So looking at some of the things that you want to target every time you come in and maybe it's greetings. So you want to have some visuals ready for greetings so that you can differentiate for your students. If you have a classroom where everyone is able to greet and that's not really the area of need for some of your students, then you may not want to do that. But like some of my classes, you know, they needed to practice greetings and initiating and saying hi and bye. And so I had the visuals there. Not all the kids needed them, but I had them for the kids that I knew did need them. And so, you know, other ways, for examples, for being prepared for the lessons is making sure you have a plan for transitions, trying to think backwards, like how am I going to transition kids? This kind of goes back to defining roles with teachers where you're going to know, like, how do they transition their kids? Because oftentimes you can just follow what they do and how they transition, you know, having data sheets for data or knowing what you're going to take data on and knowing what students you're going to implement a more of a progress monitoring method or a rubric method. So if you're going to have, you know, data sheets or you need rubric sheets, you need to try to get a system set up so that when you implement the lesson, you can grab your binder or you can grab your sheets and go into the class and not have to keep, you know, stressing too much about it each week. So the three things you need to do before you co-teach is first, you need to define your roles with the teacher. Second, you need to create the setup for the lessons each week. And then the third thing you need to do is get prepared for implementing the lessons. So if you do these things, I know you're going to walk into the session a little bit more confident, a little more less stressed out. And then this is a place to build from, right? You can only build from there. So I hope you found this episode helpful. If you have any questions about implementing collaborative service models, you can always reach out to me at Felice Clark at the Dabbling Speechy, or you can reach out to me on social media at the Dabbling Speechy. As always, I hope you have a great week. And don't forget to be the SLP that every kid wants to see. Stay inspired and I will see you next week.